Y'all ready to get in the word this morning? All right. You know, when it came to Mother's Day and, and I was thinking, you know, there's so many women in the Bible I could talk about. There's so many stories in there, you know, that we could pull from. Uh, but I just really felt like this uh, just came to the surface. Um, I feel like we as parents and, and just human nature in us, we all strive to be, you know, so perfect. We try to do things so right. And so much of the time we beat ourselves up because we don't feel like we're doing the right things. You know, they tell us that, you know, we need to feed our kids certain things. And so we strive to feed them that certain thing only a week later to find out that is the worst thing you can possibly feed them. Right? They tell you, you know, what you're putting in your body or, or, or the amount of exercise you need to, to be healthy and strong. They, they tell you who to hang out with, who to stay away from. And so we're just trying so hard to just fit in this perfect mold. And we find ourselves so stressed out and worn out by the end of the day because we just can't measure up to that standard of perfection. And I just really felt like these things just came alive in me when I was, you know, tr- trying to decide what is it that, that, that we could benefit from and make coming together worth it this morning. I'm going to talk about uh, these three things. Can we all say that? All of our campuses say this. Say these three things. See, three things aren't hard to remember, right? So we're going to talk about these three things that if we focus on, we just can't go wrong. Focusing on these three things. Not doing everything perfect, not trying to to master everything at one time, but if we just focus on these three things, I believe that we'll all be better. Numero uno, number one, make God the center of your life. Make God the center of your life. I love how we've been talking about this around here. It's more than just making him first. It's making him the center. It's not making him first. It's making, it's going a step beyond that. And it's making him the center. Have you all seen, I'm sure you have, a a drop of water when it hits a, a still pond, a drop of water, from that drop of water, everything else radiates. It's kind of like making God that middle drop of water when, when, that, that everything that ripples out from our life originates from him. So our marriages, our kids, our workplace, our attitudes, our money have him right in the middle. Everything we do, he touches, he originates. He's the center then of every decision we make. Everything we do originates with him. The Bible says it this way in Mark chapter 12, verse number 30. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Matthew chapter 6 says this, but seek first his kingdom. God's kingdom is simply his way of doing things. So if I'm putting his way of doing things first, I'm making it the center of my life. Everything I do originates with him. So he says, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all the other things you're trying to be and do so perfectly, 
all the other things you're trying to master, all the other things you're trying to gain and bring into your life and try to figure out. God says if we put him the center of our life, make him first in the middle, that first ripple in our life, that all those other things that we're so worried about, God said they'll all be taken care of and they'll be added unto you. If you do this one thing first, make God the middle, make God the middle. You know, in the nineties, uh, to me, it just seems like yesterday. So some of you are like, I wasn't even born then, right? You realize how old you are when the nineties seem like yesterday, right? It's like my parents talking about the sixties or the fifties, you know, I'm like, that's ancient, you know, but it seemed just like yesterday. But in the nineties, people started wearing this bracelet and it said WWJD. And it, and it was a, a, a reminder to them to think about what would Jesus do in every situation in my life? What would Jesus do? But really that bracelet, it became just like a fashion statement because I'm, I'm telling you, the people who were wearing them were not being like Jesus. They were not paying attention to that bracelet on their arm. It was really supposed to be, what would Jesus do? I, when God is the center of our life, when we make God the middle, our whole goal in life, in every decision we make, in every action and every attitude would be, what would Jesus do? More than that, because we're like, well, where's Jesus? I don't know where Jesus is. Jesus is not telling me to do nothing. We know that Jesus is the word of God. So we would say it this way. What would the word, what does the word say to do? If God is the middle of my life, then it means that whatever the word says to do, then that's what I'm going to do. It's more than a fashion statement. What does the word of God say? If God is the center of my life, then I'm going to do that. If he's the center of my life, I'm going to use my time. I'm going to use my talent. I'm going to use my treasure just like he says to. If I make God the middle. Now, you can still go around trying to feed your kid all the perfect things. You can still try to figure out how to dot all the I's and cross all the T's and be your perfect parent self, or you can just focus on this one thing, making God the middle of your life. Whatever the word of God says, just do that. Just do that. You know, I know a lot of times, uh, first of all, I want to celebrate parents in this place because parenting is not for the weak. Y'all know that, right? I know sometimes you're like, I just want to have a baby. They're so cute. I just want to have a baby. They're so cute. And they're cute like the first day. And some of y'all babies are not even cute the first day. It takes them a while to grow into that cute self, right? Some of y'all, I've never seen a cute baby. My grandchildren are cute, but I, you know, I get, I get it. But we think that this, you know, having a baby is going to be so easy. It's going to be so fun. And we as parents know it is work. And this is what I've learned. You think, man, you're going to have a kid for 18 years. That is not true. When they turn 18, you don't stop being concerned about them. When they turn 18, you don't just stop caring about them. No, you care about them. You are concerned about them for a lifetime because parenting is not for the weak. Parenting is not for the weak. So I celebrate you who are parents. And a lot of times when they're born, we're like, man, kids don't come in with instruction manuals. Man, I wish they did, but they do. We don't think they do, but they do. When you have God, the middle of your life, 
He does give you an instruction manual, how to raise your children, how to train them up in the way that they should go. In fact, in Proverbs 22, verse number six, it says, teach children how they should live and they'll remember it all of their life. Bible says, train up a child in the way that they should go. When they mature, they can't stray far from it. But this is the thing. It's not so much trying to make them do right as much as it is us doing right. Because we don't train our kids just by what we say. We all know that to be true, right? Because there's a lot of things your mom and daddy told you not to do that y'all did because you saw your parents do it, right? We don't learn just by what our parents say. We don't train our children just with our words. Our biggest training is our example. So my challenge is not making my child do right. My, chi- my challenge is making me do right. Because if I do right, they'll do right. If I make God choices, they'll might make God choices. We train by our example. See, some of y'all are thankful you don't got no kids right now. <laughs> Ooh, thank God that don't pertain to me. But do you know that there are people in your life that are watching you? And you still are training your coworkers what Christ looks like? You're still training your neighbors. They look at you to see what Christ looks like because you tell them you go to church and you're a lover of God and a lover of Jesus. But is God the middle? If God's in the middle of your life, you'll be a great example of who God is. Again, it's not about being perfect. It's about making God the middle. In our house, you know, growing up, I was, had the, awesome privilege is being raised in a, in a, in a godly environment. My parents love God. My parents are pastors. I can say that my parents never sat down and made me pray or, or, or set even in my home with my kids. We never had a set family Bible study time. Although I think it's awesome if you do. There were plenty of times people would come up to my kids, other friends, and go, like, what's it like being in a pastor's house? Like, they thought we just sat around and prayed for each other all day or, I don't know, read the Bible to each other all day. Like, it's normal. It's, like, real. We, like, do real stuff. We actually, like, watch TV and go on vacation and, you know, do some cool things. But we never sat down and had a forced, mandatory, you're sitting from this time, this time, and you're reading your word, although we read our Bible. We never forced them at a certain set time to pray for hours and hours, although we prayed. If you look at my kids' life right now, they pray, they read the word, not because they were forced to, but because it was a lifestyle that they watched. You know, I remember growing up in my house, my dad used to pray with us every night before we went to bed. He taught us how. We'd kneel beside our bed and We'd repeat words after him. What was he doing? He was leading us by example. But I can tell you that that's not the only time that man prayed. I would walk into his room, walk past his door, and I'd see him kneeling down beside his bed. I'd hear my mom behind closed doors when I was just playing in my room. I'd hear her behind closed doors crying out to God on our behalf. Not being forced 
to do anything, but being led by example. Why? Because God was the middle. God was the middle. I don't know of a time where we ever set our children down and gave them a lesson on tithing and giving. Like you sit down, this is what I want to teach you. We led by example. They saw the times when the person on the side of the street was asking for money that we reached in our pocket and gave it to him. They saw when there was families in need of clothes or cars that we purchased them for them. They saw that in operation. It's training by example. When God is the middle of your life, the center of your life, You'll do what he does. I love this in in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 5, verse 9. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Put him in the middle. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be in your heart. It says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lay down, when you get up. When you tie them as symbols, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. What this is saying is make the word of God a lifestyle, not just something you do on a Sunday. Use every opportunity to talk about God, his purpose, his plan, what he has for them to do. When you're praying over your meals, that's just not a religious practice. The Bible says to do that. Through Jesus' example, Jesus would take bread, he would give thanks for it, he would bless it, and then they would eat it. When he talks about how God will bless our bread and water and take sickness far from us, and I don't know about you, you don't know what's in your stuff that you're eating. There's plenty of times I'm like, Lord, bless my bread and bless my water. And I believe that if there's anything in here that's going to do me some damage, you just remove it far from me in Jesus' name. Why do we pray over our meals? Because God says to. I give thanks for it. It's not just a religious practice. It's by our example. It's making it become a lifestyle using every opportunity to teach God and to teach his practices and teach his, his plan. You know, my father-in-law passed away this last year. I was with my, my, my four-year-old. She was four years old at the time. She's five now. My four-year-old grand, granddaughter. She was with me a little bit during that time when I would stop and see him before he passed. So she saw the struggle. She saw the process. After he passed and went to heaven, she was in the back seat of the car a few days later. And she said, hey, Roro. I said, what, babe? She said, her friend, she said, she said, Grandpa Harold's dead and we're not going to see him again. I said, Cove? Okay, I could say, yeah, Cove, you're right. He's dead. We are not seeing him again. Your friend is right. Or I could teach her what the word of God says. Using that opportunity not to instill fear or sadness or greater despair, but to instill life. I said, Cove, you know what? Grandpa Harold didn't die. Grandpa Harold moved to heaven. And do you know what heaven's like? Super, super cool. Heaven is so much more fun. You know all the cool, fun things you like to do here? Yeah? It is way funner there. 
super fun, like more fun than Disneyland. Yeah, like way, way cool. You know what? She's excited. She doesn't, she's like going around going, hey, guess what? And the dog, you know, she heard of the, talking about a dog being dead, said, hey, Junie's over there with grandpa and they're playing in heaven. Like, well, I don't know if Juno's there. I know grandpa's there. But using opportunities, every opportunity to teach God, conflicts at school. I know sometimes we as parents, we want to get involved and and we want to go solve every issue our kid has. We can either do it that way and we can be their savior. And sometimes we as parents need to get involved, but we need to take it a step further. We need to teach our child how much God loves them, how strong they are in God, how smart they are, how purpose-filled their life is, that it doesn't matter what other kids are saying about them. doesn't matter what the school is trying to label them. This is what God says about them. It's using our example as a parent to take every opportunity in life. That's what it means when you're walking down the road, when you see a tree. Wow, look at that tree. Isn't that awesome? God loves us so much that he gave us that tree. Isn't that cool? It's not being weird about it. It's making God the middle. Matthew 7, 24 says, Everyone who hears these words of mine, the word of God, and puts it into practice, puts it in the middle, is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain comes down, the stream rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. If God is the center of your life, it will go well with you. Say this. Say, make God the middle. That's number one. It's only three things. Y'all going to be good. Number two, the second thing. Second thing. Only be led by the spirit of God inside you. So we're going to make God the middle. Put him first. Whatever the word of God says to do, we're going to do it. We're going to make it a lifestyle. I'm not going to try to be perfect. I'm just going to do my best. Whatever God says in this situation, in this circumstance, in whatever it is I'm dealing with, I'm going to put God in the middle of it, and I'm going to watch God do some great things. I'm going to build my house on the word of God. Then secondly, I'm only going to be led. I'm only going to be led by the spirit of God within me. When we're as believers in Christ Jesus, when we open up our heart to God, Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God, moves in. So you can operate your life now with greater wisdom and understanding than you did before you received Christ. The Bible calls the Spirit of God the wisdom of God. So we have an advantage now as parents because we have the wisdom of God on the inside. The wisdom of God goes beyond our knowledge. The wisdom of God goes beyond our intellect. The wisdom of God goes beyond our training. The wisdom of God goes beyond the smarts of our kid. The wisdom of God is a powerful thing if we'll learn to hear it and to listen to it. Only be led by the wisdom of God. Romans 8.14 says the children of God are those who let God's spirit lead them. Now, in life, we know that we can be led by a lot of things. There are a lot of things trying to move us in directions. Just society itself, the flow of life itself, tries to move us in a certain direction. A lot of things vying for our attention. We can be moved by a lot of things. We can make decisions based on a lot of things. Fear can influence our decision. 
Our emotions at the moment can influence our decisions. Good opportunities can influence our decisions. More money can influence our decisions. But success only comes by allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us. Proverbs 3 says this, listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. See, I love that. It says, listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who'll keep you on track. How do I do that? How do I hear the voice of God? I mean, I know some of y'all think, you know, us as ministers will come get up here and we'll say stuff like, you know, I felt God, I heard God tell me, or, you know, I was praying the other day and God spoke this. How do I hear the voice of God? If the spirit of God, the wisdom of God is on the inside of you, how do I let that wisdom lead me? And how do I let that wisdom guide me? Colossians 3.15 puts it this way. It says the peace that Christ gives is to guide you in the decisions that you make. The peace that Christ gives is to guide you in the decisions that you make. In another translation, it says, let the peace of God rule your heart. That word rule means to umpire. Now we all know what an umpire does. He calls strikes, he calls balls, he calls if you're safe, he calls if you're out. It says, let the peace of God umpire every decision that you make. Let the peace of God tell you if it's a God decision or if it's not a God decision. As believers in Christ Jesus, with the wisdom of God on the inside of us, the peace of God is what leads us. I know that I'm walking in God's purpose and God's plan if there's peace right here in my heart. Have you ever been in a situation or in a place where as a believer you've been in a situation or in a place or in a conversation with someone or just something and you feel right in here that something's just not right. You feel like, I need to get out of here. Like there's just some unrest on the inside of you saying, you need to get out of here, or you need to stop this conversation, or you need to stop doing that, or you need to move here, or you need to shift that, you need to quit doing that, or you need to release this, whatever it is on the inside of you. That's God's peace. That's the wisdom of God trying to give you direction to your life. So if we let God, the spirit of God, the wisdom of God lead every direction in our life, he'll make sure our path is straight. So we don't make intellectual decisions. We don't make, make sense, good sense decisions, not just because it's a good idea, not just because it's trending, just because every other first grader in your kid's school has a phone doesn't mean your kid needs one, right? It's being led by the spirit of God on the inside of you. You know, when my kids were, were in school, when they were young, there was a big push to homeschool. Homeschooling is awesome if that's God's plan for your kid. But I can remember praying about that. God, should I homeschool? Because the pressure was to homeschool them. Or should I put them in public school? Well, how do you know as a parent? You can stress yourself out. 
doing all the research on homeschool kids and all the research on public school kids, all the pros, all the cons. You can line them up and li- just exactly how you want it. And, and, and it, you're still going to be so stressed out. So I had to come back. God, you know, my kids for me and my house, for us and our children, what's your plan for them? Whenever I would start researching the homeschool aspect, man, there was just not peace on the inside. First of all, I know I can't spend all day with my kids and force them to learn anything. I would, they would not be alive today. Just by mere fact alone, I know that that would not be good. But when I started walking out the, okay, public school, let's put them in public school. There was just a great peace on the inside. It didn't matter the people outside going, oh, you know what they're going to learn in there? Oh, you know what's going to happen in there? Yeah, but I got to put them where the Spirit of God leads me to lead them. Don't be moved by fear. Be led by the Spirit of God. We did this when we had friends, neighborhood friends, wanting my kids to spend the night at their house. Kids, can I go spend the night at so-and-so's house? Did I have a piece right here? Or did I not have a peace right here? If there was a God peace on the inside, I said yes. If there wasn't a God peace on the inside, I'd say no. Sometimes it was yes, and sometimes it was no. Being led by the peace of God on the inside. Not the please, mama, please, 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 please. I promise I'll be good. It's the peace on the inside. The peace of God on the inside. Some of you don't know, should I let my kids join this? Should I let my kids be a part of that? Should I send my kids here? Should I keep letting my kids go over to this neighbor's house? Should I keep letting this kid come over to my house? But yet sometimes on the inside, you're like, I just don't really feel good about it, but they really enjoy being with them. Don't override the peace of God on the inside. I don't care how mean of a mom, how mean of a dad, they'll get over it. They'll need some lunch money tomorrow. Trust me, they'll love you again. Don't be led by fear. Be led by the Spirit of God. The way Randy and I came to Fresno, started the church, was the peace of God. The peace of God led us to start the church in Fresno because God, that's what we felt in our heart, the peace of God. So before you switch jobs, do you have the peace of God there? Yeah, but got a new boss and I really don't like him. But do you have peace in your heart? Are you supposed to go? Follow the peace of God. But they pay me more over there. We're not led by money. We're led by the peace of God on the inside. Pray about stuff. Ask God about stuff. Then listen. Listen to the peace or lack of peace on the inside of you and respond to it. Don't override it. Randy tells this story all the time, how we were in Tulsa and we needed a car. And we only had like $800 to buy a car. And so we, he was looking in the paper, finally found one. We drove up and here was this Volkswagen rabbit sitting in the front yard of this guy's house. Soon as we looked at it, not because the way it looked on the outside, but what we smelt on the inside. As soon as we looked at it, there was a lack of peace here. But then our heads started getting involved. Yeah, but really, what are you going to get for 800 bucks? I mean, come on, it can't be all that. Let's just at least talk to the guy. Well, then Randy goes up and talks to the guy. Still no peace in our heart. Still in our heart, it's saying, bad decision, bad decision. Like a warning light going off on the inside of us. 
But our head was fighting against our heart. So we decided we're going to go away and we're going to pray about it. Can I tell you, we didn't need to pray about it. The Holy Spirit was already saying, no peace, don't do it. No peace, don't do it. But we decided we're going to go pray about it. So we go away and we pray about it. And still there was no peace. But we reasoned the decision instead of peaced the decision. We went back and walked and bought that dumb car. On our way home, it broke down. Yeah, on our way home, it broke down. And it broke down probably every single day until we got rid of that thing. Don't override the voice of the spirit on the inside of you. You know, it comes even to like simple like this. One time I was eating Taco Bell. Anybody like to run for the border? Yeah, Taco Bell. Okay, I was eating a Taco Bell taco and I've eaten plenty of them in my lifetime. I was eating a taco, took a bite, couple bites of a Taco Bell taco and on the inside, right here, you probably should stop eating this. But it's good. It doesn't taste bad. It tastes fine. And I overrode that. And guess what I was doing all night long? Puking my guts out. I could just blame it on, man, God, why don't you heal me? Why don't you? He was trying to warn me. He was trying to keep me away from something destructive in my life. Follow the peace of God on the inside. So number one, make God the middle. Number two, only listen and and follow the voice the only be led by the spirit of God on the inside of you. The third thing, and this is real quick. The third thing, make sure you're good with being you. Stop comparing. This is like one of my big like soapboxes right here because I think it's so vital in the world that we live in. We, are, we live in just such a world of comparison. Not like the Webster's Dictionary definition, because if we truly did that, there's nothing wrong with that. Because when the Webster's Dictionary talks about compare, it means just note, noting the similarities and the differences. And there's nothing wrong with that. But when the Bible talks about not comparing, it has a different edge to it. That compare, it takes it from just noting similarities and differences to placing judgment on to judging. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 12, we don't dare class or compare ourselves with some people who advertise themselves. Measuring themselves against each other, comparing themselves with each other, is simply stupid. It has more to do with judging. That's what we tend to do when we compare. We judge our life, either inferior or superior, to their life or we judge their life inferior or superior to our, our life and the Bible says that's just stupid comparison leads to discontentment if I'm comparing myself with you and I feel somehow you're better then I'm somehow become discontented with my life I see all the accolades you get on social media I see all the people you know I see all the places you get to go And it makes me very discontented with my life. You get to go out to dinner every night and you're taking pictures of this wonderful food and I'm home eating cup of noodles and mac and cheese. The four for a dollar kind, not even the good kind. When we compare ourselves, or we compare our journey or we compare our life, we compare our purpose, we compare our calling with someone else, 
and we're judging ourselves inferior or superior, then we become very discontented with who God made us to be. God needs you. If God needed your, your, if your kids needed a different parent, he would have given them to someone else, but he gave them to you. I know you feel like you suck at it. I know you feel like you're not good at it. Apparently God thinks you're okay. Apparently you're the perfect parent for that child. God created you to be you. And I think we have to step back and we have to own us. We have to be good with us. We have to make good with us. We are all created differently. God put different talents, abilities in all of us. We're not supposed to be the same. That's why it's so unwise to compare journeys, purposes, influences, to compare our spouses, to compare our, our kids. All three of my kids are different. I, li- I have lived long enough. I've watched them grow long enough to look at their differences when they were two and three, to see how God has used all those little things that made them different, how God has used all those little different things to make them so qualified and gifted and empowered and anointed to do what they do. Nick, when he was little, used to be probably to you, one of those annoying little kids that were always like jumping in front of the camera, take a picture of me, take a picture of me. But that desire to be a leader and to be in front and not to be bothered by the camera on him has made him an amazing leader today. Drew, when he was little, so, so, so satisfied being in a room creating Uh, He could have two sticks and have a full-on conversation with two sticks and has such a creative mind to be able to, to do these different things and act out these different scenarios all by himself, which has produced in him such an ability to, to be alone and let God speak creative words into his heart, to be able to birth songs that are anointed and empowered that lead us into worship. He didn't have to be the little kid running around, take a picture of me, but because he had a sensitivity towards God and being in that lone place and by himself that God was able to grab his heart and to put him on a stage to lead people into worship. My daughter who brought every single stinking dog home and would, I mean, I actually opened a door to a stray and it wasn't a tiny little stray, it was a German shepherd and actually got into my car, had a compassionate heart for the people around her, loving people, so, so steady, not highly emotional. God has used her to be able to stand full of wisdom on a platform and declare the truth to sit one-on-one with people and be a good listener and have a heart of compassion to pour life and wisdom beyond her years back into them. Now, if I would have said, why can't you be like your sister? Why can't you be like your brother? They would have never had the freedom and the ability to develop into the God beings today. Each one of your kids has been given to you. Each one have different passions, different ideas, different Uh, abilities and capacities and different ways of learning. Celebrate that. Don't allow judgment to come into where you're judging one another. I look at my daughters that were married into my home, married my sons. 
Two totally different girls, totally different passions, totally different talents, totally different abilities, but have brought such complete joy to our home, allowing them to be creatively them, not trying to make them me, not trying to make them cook like me or not cook like me. I tell them all the time, I said, girls, you can thank me that I didn't make gourmet meals at home because my boys don't expect it. You throw down a box of mac and cheese, they're happy. You're welcome. And same with my son-in-law, who he is, who God created him to be. Instead of us forcing people around us to be us, let's let them be them. Be you, own you, be you. You know, I love this because I really felt this, that we can all learn from each other, and I think that's powerful. We can gain insight. We can gain help. We can gain encouragement from other people in our life as long as it's challenging us to be the best us and not challenging us to be them. I am all for learning from other people as long as they're not pushing me to be exactly them. As long as they're encouraging me to be the God me that God created me to be. So own you, be you. God's given you everything you need to fill, fulfill your purpose. Okay, I know I just told you three things, but this last one, this is a bonus. Right? Because moms kind of do that. I want you to do this, this, and this. Oh yeah, and this. We could, the last thing is to say thanks. To be thankful. We can be so caught up in the future that we can be unthankful in the moment. A lot of times it's not that I'm not thankful. It's just that I'm not purposely thankful. Oh, I appreciate stuff. But I find myself not purposely being thankful. We'll enjoy life, our spouse, our kids, our friends, if we're more thankful. Psalms 100 verse 4. It says, enter. Talking about God's present. Enter with the password, thank you. Make yourselves at home talking praise. Thank him. Worship him. Another translation says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. What this tells me is we can't even properly access God's presence without being thankful. You see those signs on the restaurant, no shoes, no service? No shoes, no shirt, no service. It's kind of like no thanks, no thanksgiving, no giving a thanks, no proper access. I don't know about you, but I need God's favor and God's goodness in my life. We must on purpose be thankful. The last scripture, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. It says, be thankful in all circumstance, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus. This is God's will for you who belong to Jesus. Be thankful in all things. So number one, make God the center. Number two, only be led by his spirit on the inside of you. Number three, make sure you're not comparing yourself to anyone else. Make good with being you. Last thing, say thanks. Y'all glad you came today? Yeah. I feel if we just focus on these things. We're going to be okay. Our families are going to be okay. 
We're going to prosper in everything God called us to. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes in this place. Never want to end a service without giving people an opportunity to make Jesus their Lord, to open up their heart to him, to really open up your heart to receive that God access in your life, that God wisdom. If you're in this place and you don't know Christ, you haven't received and made him the Lord of your life, I want to give you the opportunity at all of our campuses before we leave this place. If you want to receive him this morning, you want to pray this prayer of dedication, just want you to pray this prayer after me. It doesn't have to be hard. Really, it's all about just believing it in your heart and confessing it with your mouth. Say, Father God, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, for loving me so much. You sent him to live and die on my behalf. Today, I receive him as my savior and I call him my Lord in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 